The reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele. And there again, you know, I'm going to blame the virus on this. There's a whole lot of nothing going on out there as far as news is concerned. Uh, Just got two, two interesting bits. Although one of them has two parts to it. The first interesting bit... Uh, comes from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where they have been saying that Daredevil might be coming back. And we have both agreed that this is a good thing. We liked this. We loved Charlie Cox and the role that he did on Netflix. We said, that would be awesome. Well, someone got a hold of Charlie Cox who said, I'm doing what? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Which is a bit disappointing, and it doesn't rule out that he's coming back. He still could. I'd love for him to, hint, but... Uh, well, one thing to note with that is, like, Charlie Cox is, like, kind of the anti-Tom Holland, so if Marvel tells him, clam up and don't give it away, that is exactly what he would say. So that doesn't, <clears throat> That's a good thing. That doesn't put anything off at all. Because if, if he was Tom Holland, he would have said, yes, here's a copy of the script. Let's go over it together, live, um, you know. Is your so. Instagram fired up? Oh. <laughs> exactly. The uh, other piece of news this week <clears throat> comes from Universal Pictures, who owns the rights to the Hulk. Hmm. See, there's a segue. And it has to do with their Trolls World Tour movie, which kind of by one of the first movies to bypass the studios because of the pandemic going on. And went straight to video on demand, where they made a lot of money. Um, now, there's a lot of numbers that get thrown around with this. But some of the more interesting ones that Universal announced is that in uh, box office numbers, the uh, movie company really only earns about 50% of the ticket sales. Right. But if it's a video on demand, they get about 80% of the ticket sales. So they've made about, they made 95 million, which means the studio gets 77 million off this crap movie. We're not going <laughs> to, I don't think either of us are going to review this movie at any point because nope. just the movie poster makes you go, ugh. At least it makes me go, ugh. Yep. So they made a lot of money out of this and I'll, but it's not because they don't want to put movies in theaters. It's because the theaters aren't open and the movie is done. Yep. So, you know, that makes sense. Then, because all these numbers were released, AMC has said that they are going to ban Universal Films from their stu- their theaters when they open back up. Because, well, if you can make more money that way, then we won't let you back in our theaters. Is the, ju- the, the what I got out of it? Yeah. Oh. Uh, if Universal f- decides to release a Hulk movie in partnership with Marvel, how many seconds will it take AMC from reneging on this? Uh, Trolls came was released April tenth. Now, exactly how are they supposed to make a lot of money? Any money? Uh, you know, worldwide box office. Mm-hmm box office we're not talking about video on demand money we're talking about box office they made less than two million dollars worldwide for a movie that would have hit hmm, 
3,500 screens in the U.S., maybe 4,000. I mean, this would have been a big, big release. Probably would have pulled in, uh, you know, 300 million, something like that. Would have made a lot of money because for whatever reason, the Trolls movies have made a lot of money. So for AMC to just say, oh, you know, you're, you're screwing us over by going, what were they supposed to do? Uh, unbelievably stupid. Regal is on the bandwagon. They say, well, we'll look at this at a case by case basis. We don't want this. Like, are you open? Did they have an option? I, I suppose the option, according to AMC, is like, well, just shelve it and release it, you know, in November or whenever. But with all the other movies that are going to get buried. Exactly. It's like. This is so ridiculously stupid for AMC to like, dude, so sorry that you're closed. Not really, because you should be. But what do you expect? These movie companies and and definitely shelve everything. They have employees, too. They have people who would like to get paid for the work that they've done. And just to say, it's like, oh, well, you're doing an evil thing. It's like, screw off. What the hell? Uh, And and as I said in pre-pro, there you go, Ted. AMC, I live in West Palm Beach. They have a really nice movie theater that they bought mm, about a decade or so ago from another company that went <laughs> under because they bought the whole company. They haven't done anything to remodel that in probably, well, not since they bought it. So there are holes in doors. There, there are all kinds of good things in this movie theater, which is supposed to look like this fabulous, opulent movie theater, which happens to be the closest movie theater to Palm Beach, which has a uh, well-heeled clientele. You would think they would want to make it look decent. They don't have the money to do that. So I don't really care. Uh, you know, AMC's has their nose up in the air and be like, oh, what a horrible thing you've done to us. It's like, shut up. How freaking ridiculous is this? It's like, well, we won't show you any universal pictures. It's like, go ahead. You know, you'll go under and then Regal will buy you out. And maybe they'll fix that movie theater. Like, <clears throat> hey, Christ. that hole in the door is actually a bullet hole memorial from when somebody got shot. That sounded better in my head. <laughs> or that. I made that up anyway. Sounded good in my head, though. Okay, well. Yeah, it's just... Are. I just how unbelievably stupid not to realize what the situation is. Just good Lord. It's a weird, the whole world is a weird situation at the moment. Yeah, uh, as evidenced by that being the end of the news. I mean, they're, they're, just, yeah, here's nothing else. Um, which leads us to the reviews we've got this week. And quite frankly, I, even I'm having trouble putting these together in, in any kind of a segue thing. You want to go first? You want me to go first? I don't. I'll go first. Okay. Uh, a few weeks ago, I reviewed a film called Sea Fever, which, talking about box office, did virtually nothing because, for whatever reason, and this came out uh, 2019. So this is not an instance of where there were no theaters open. It's just a little indie Irish film, which is a very effective science fiction horror, thriller, really good. And that's all I'm going to say about it for right now. I was like, go listen to the other show. But Underwater came out this year early enough so that, yes, it could hit the box office. It could make some moolah, et cetera, et cetera. 
Underwater being a higher profile movie because it's a Hollywood production, stars Kristen Stewart. And uh, she did not disappoint me because she did not have an emotion other than the one you all see on her face. Despite that, put Kristen Stewart in a movie called Underwater because wood floats. Sorry, there there are there are a lot of uh, problems with with this movie. Um, it's okay; it's not a terrible film. If you happen to catch it for free on a streaming service, it's not free on streaming services yet, but it will sooner or later. Uh, I paid what six bucks? I don't remember if it was five. No, five dollars to rent it. Not worth a five dollar rental. Um, yeah, is it entertaining? Yeah, more or less. Uh, if you have mm, like three or four functioning brain cells, you're going to see a lot of things that irritate you about the movie. Uh, the premise is this is an undersea drilling facility. It has 300 some people in, in this facility. And all of a sudden, they're in Christmas services, like walking through the facility. And sudden, suddenly the lights start flickering and panels pop, pop out and they're, they're flooding. So I will give it credit that at least it starts out they don't waste a lot of time setting it up, you know, spending 40 odd minutes of interminable exposition, which does nothing, which I've seen in other films recently. They just get right to it, which is all to the better. So there's this disaster. This thing is being broken apart, this huge undersea development. And luckily for us and her and her friends, she's a mechanical engineer, so she's able to get things done. And so we just follow a few people as they try to escape because they have to walk across the seafloor because all the escape pods are gone and they have to walk across the seafloor. Now, bear in mind, they're 6.7 miles down because they mentioned that at least three times in the film. 6.7 miles down. And uh... so they, they suit up in their they suit up in their deep sea diving uh, things, which, you know, OK, that's cool. Uh, these are very lightweight for some reason. It's like, okay, I maybe they could be. Uh, but they're not powered. You Because you know in a movie, if they were powered, they would make a point of telling you, oh, these are cool. They're exosuits. And they're not. So they get in these things, and they run across the seafloor because, yes, they run across the seafloor 6.7 miles down. Um, no. <clears throat> the fact that they can step outside on the seafloor 6.7 miles down and move is pretty impressive. The fact that they can run is really impressive. So there's lots of situations where, you know, they play, oh, let's depressurize, and they depressurize in like five seconds, and everything's good. But then later on, it's like, oh, no, we're getting too close to the surface. You know, it's like we're going too fast. It's like, that's funny. You had this technique to depressurize in five seconds before. Now, all of a sudden, it's cool. (laughs) Lots of issues like this. (laughs) Lots of issues like this. So if you think about it, it's really frustrating and, and, and just like, wow, that's so damn stupid. If you don't think about about it and just turn it off, turn your brain off and just try to be entertained, it's not too bad. It's also not too good, but it's not too bad. Because again, it's a lot of the, oh, you know, let's throw in a little bit of alien, a little bit of this. And people are jerked away. And it's like, at one point, this guy is tied down. They're they're tethered because they're going through some, you know, narrow straits. They want to make sure they can pull this guy through and everything's cool. And some, one of the attacking creatures that you haven't seen a really good glimpse of yet, 
starts pulling him back. And then unclip it, unclip it. So the guy's too stupid to unclip it. And everyone is too stupid to reach in and unclip his tether from him. And later on, later on, the captain who was right there says, oh, take, here, take my knife, use this. It's like, dude, you had a knife. Why were you not cutting the tether in that other scene? But now you're going to give someone else the knife to cut the tether? It's like, what the hell? Well, we you didn't know. like Steve. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, there was good reason for it, considering it's T.J. Miller, and it was just like, he played his usual obnoxious doofus. And it was like, he was the comic relief, and it was like, it was bad comic relief. Uh, the good aspect of this, and there are good aspects of it, is it does have a lot of suspenseful moments, if you just can ignore the fact that it's impossible. And the monsters, the undersea creatures, are, are pretty cool. And then there turns out to be a huge underwater monster, which is very, very cool towards the end of the film. Very cool reveal. Like, definitely scary stuff. Um, the way they handle the monster is, yeah, okay, it's kind of cool, although it's also not all that plausible, but, you know, okay, whatever. The, the problem is, among all the really stupid easily fixed scientific errors, which I don't know, they could have gone to a fifth grader and said, Hey, be our technical advisor and fix this is like, cool. <laughs> the problem is they could have tied this in to the certain universe that's going on, the Cloverfield universe, which had a good start and then an interesting second take and then Cloverfield paradox kind of, Mm, didn't do a great job. Uh, and actually like Cloverfield Paradox more than I like this movie, which is sad because oh. Cloverfield Paradox is not that good a movie. Most people hate it. I don't hate it. I think it's just could have been better. Cloverfield Paradox is, an, is another film that was shoehorned into the Cloverfield universe. So kind of weird. Why they didn't do that with this? Because it would have been so easy to do and would have helped it. Uh, at the box office, no idea why they cast Kristen Stewart. You know the the lady with one emotion. I don't don't quite understand it. I mean, I understand she has some box office pull, although I don't know really what it is because I think the this is not the film that the Twilight crowd wants to see. So I don't really see how that helped this film at all uh other than her the acting is decent i mean considering the type of film it is but there are just so many inconsistencies inconsistencies and plot holes and outright stupidities it makes it tough to turn off your brain if you can turn off your brain and you wait until it's free it's worth a look if you want to see a freaky sea monster movie, which is really cool and interesting. Sea Fever is the one you want to watch. Smaller film, much better film. See, that's uh, <clears throat> see. It sounds like you watched something that had a good premise, but didn't follow through with the technical stuff. One hundred, which, which technical, leads technical stuff like plot. Yeah, technical stuff like <laughs> plot. That that sounds. <laughs> A lot like one of the things I've got this week. Ooh. No, actually, I don't have movies this week. I'm still doing TV series. <laughs> because, uh, you know, we're on lockdown here. 
And uh, my wife has been watching the crap out of a TV show. And I said, you know what? <clears throat> I thought this show might have been good at one point. And I always made a point that I would watch it someday. But I would do it voluntarily, not have it forced on me like she's been doing the past few weeks. Um, <laughs> and it falls into the same category as Underwater did. You're missing a few things. The show is called Stargate SG-1, ah. based on the movie Stargate without the SG-1. The SG-1 is actually, there's apparently, you know what, I'm, I'm even going to back up from that. If you've seen the movie Stargate, boy, that would help. <laughs> There's a big circle thing. It's it's called a Stargate. Every so often, they twist it in the right way, and it opens a, dim a dimensional door that looks like underwater for some reason. Um, and it goes to another planet or a spaceship somewhere or something like that. And that effect, boy, they rendered it once and used the crap out of it. But, you know, that, that's the premise of the show. That's fine. The problems I have with this show are not, I mean, it's not with the cast. A lot of the actors are people I would not have known at the time. Uh, with the exceptions being Richard Dean Anderson. That's right. MacGyver is in this. <laughs> the real MacGyver, damn it. Uh, who plays Jack O'Neill, who was Kurt Russell's role. And Don Davis, who's a guy you're going to go, who? Wasn't he a pitcher for the Yankees in the 70s? No. this is, <laughs> And actually, it might be the same guy. I don't know. He plays Major General George Hammond, who, to my knowledge, was not in the movie. But you're going to see him and go, oh, it's the bald dude who's in everything. Okay. You know, every so often, there's a few guests that you're going to go oh wasn't that Bo Bridges oh my god Corin Nemec is still alive that kind of <laughs> I'm sorry have you seen him since uh, what was it Parker Lewis can't lose no you haven't have you no I have not try not to I loved Parker Lewis but you know yeah Don Davis that guy so, sorry Corin anyway the stories for the show the stories are not bad the special effects usually aren't hideous. I mean, we're not going back to early Doctor Who or Space 1999. We're not going back that far with special effects. Thank God for that. But there are things about this show that you're going to eventually catch on to. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you what these things are that you're going to go, oh, oh, don't do that. There's an actor named Christopher Judge who you're going to recognize his voice because he's done a lot of voiceover work. Um, for example, he was Martian Manhunter in the Justice League, which Good is voice. cool. In this, he plays one of the aliens that they come across very early on because he's in, I think, every episode. His name is Teal'c, which is spelled like the color with the letter C at the end. Because apostrophes, I guess. <laughs> anyway, he has, uh, because he's an alien, he has an inex inexplicably, to me, a, a prosthetic on his forehead. He looks perfectly human, except for this prosthetic on his forehead. 
it, it's a yellow goldish thing. And I suppose he's got a lot of eyeliner to make him look Egyptian. And you know what? Initially, that's fine. As the series goes along, the thing on his head begins to resemble a lot less of what it's supposed to be, which is an Egyptian symbol of some kind. And it looks more like a soap dish that someone just kind of stapled to his forehead. <laughs> that's I, Now, Mr. Judge, that's... I realize you can easily kick my ass for this, but you should have said something. And they did go a bit nuts with his eyeliner because he starts off initially looking kind of like an Egyptian painting, you know, uh, not cave art, but the the stuff on the pyramids and and everything where you go, oh, that's Egyptian. And at the end of this series, he looks more like Robert Smith where, oh, I've just gone a little bit too far with the eyeliner. (laughs) I'm sorry, dude, you should have said something. It just... It, it didn't look right. Um, one of my other problems with this, and all of these kind of go back to the the race of beings. I'm putting that in, in bunny rabbit quotes. You can't ever really tell what race he's from. Now, it's spelled, according to the subtitles, G-O apostrophe A-L-D. In, and this is one of my, my big flaws with the series. In one conversation where they're talking about this alien race, they pronounce G-O apostrophe A-L-D seven different ways. <laughs> it's the Guald. Guald? Guald. Uh, uh, no, look, pick a pronunciation and stick with it. Because I thought you guys had started talking about somebody. Oh, that's the same people. Thank God the subtitles are on. Otherwise, I would have gotten lost. You know, how how you can do that, it makes no sense to me. Something else that doesn't not make a sense to me is why my accent has gone to this direction. I do mm-hmm. not know. Um one of the things they do in this series, they come across a lot of aliens. And the aliens have alien technology. Cool. What a concept, right? Now, what do they do to fight off the aliens and this alien technology? They use machine guns. Cool. Question mark? Now, I, I threw a question mark at it because they've killed a lot of these aliens. And these aliens are just kind of lying there on the ground with their weapons. Their weapons don't just go them up use them they're more effective than the machine gun you're using and there actually was an episode one of the last ones my wife watched and no we're not done with the series yet so teal may actually get soap for his soap dish i don't know yet but there's a, a thing oh we need to use the alien weapons because ours are ineffective well, we don't have enough. Well, you should have stopped to pick a few up along the way. Halfwits. <laughs> now, if you can get past these little niggly things like plot points that, you know, should have occurred, it's actually not that bad a series. The stories are good for the most part. Um, there are a few characters that you're going to get annoyed with. More, most specifically... 
there's a spin-off series called Stargate Atlantis. And there's one of the main characters whose name I refuse to uh, keep in my head because he's a twit <laughs> that needed to be shot as soon as he, hi, I'm here, shoot him now. He's that stupid of a character, but he's one of the main characters in Stargate Atlantis. Why? Now, you see, that explanation I just gave you makes more sense than anything that they're going to tell you as to why he got that role. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. It's just it, it, it's irksome. <clears throat> very, very irksome. Erickson is a lovely word. At the same time, I am going to say, if you enjoyed the movie, you're probably going to like the TV series. Just, you're going to have to get over a lot of stuff that has to do with Teal'c. I'm just saying. I, uh... I liked the show, the TV movie. Wow, I liked the movie. I loved Um, the movie. I thought the movie was great. not Not a fan of the TV show at all. I've watched about three episodes and said, no... Thanks. Um, just doesn't uh, for the reasons that you gave. It's just nah. I'm I'm gonna take a hard pass on this one. Uh, movie movie is great. Absolutely, movie is great. TV show. Just saying. Your mileage may vary. <clears throat> if your mileage varies with with the movie, there's an issue with you because the the movie's great. Everybody knows that. Yeah. Uh, before I go into my second full review, I'm going to mention a movie that Rob uh, brought up. A couple I warned weeks. you. <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's a movie that he it it, it it well. Let's see how to put this. It, it's on film. Well, actually, it's on digital, but you know, it's supposed to be in their entertainment. We're talking about cats. Uh, the other word that I think describes it starts with a C, but we're not allowed to say it on this show. That is trying to be family friendly. That's true. Um, it's a compound version of one of those words. So since Rob was only able to last about, what, 45 minutes yeah. through it before he gave up because it's so horrific, and I totally yes, understand yes. why, yep. uh, I thought, well, and not for the show, just I just occasionally you want to see just how bad something really is. You know, it's just like, I'm feeling really good. I'm going to take That's myself down a peg or two. So I called my daughter and I rented this on Amazon Prime. And I'm saying this for, for a reason. And we tested it to see if we could watch it at the same time. Because Amazon does not have the cool little extension where you can watch Netflix and share it and have a watch party. And we tested it. On, I don't remember what film, but we tested it on a movie that I own. And it's like, oh, it works. Great. Let's do it. So then another day we tried it and it did not work. So if you think you're going to watch something that you've rented and it's either because it was rental or because it was newer, but it's not always going to work on Amazon Prime, which is fine. They don't say you can just that's what how it worked out. So I forced my daughter to watch it first. I was I was wise because if she didn't live through it, then I would just not watch it. <laughs> uh, but she survived. She was not happy that she survived, but she survived. Um her first statement to me is, I wish I were as dead as these cats want to be. So that is very appropriate. So I watched the whole thing, and it's maybe worse than what Rob said. And Rob said it was god-awful, so it might be worse than that. Hello. 
Yeah, I wanted to bring up a couple things, though, that Rob didn't get to because he had suffered long enough. There is one dance number in the film, and I not remember what the song is because it doesn't really matter because I don't want you to watch it. But there was one dance number which was evocative of, like, Bob Fosse's very excellent work. And I thought, okay, well, that was kind of a cool dance number for once they had a decent dance number. Um, Although it was marred by a crappy song. And (laughs) then... They have the big moment. Jennifer Hudson uh, does the song Memory. Great song. The only song in the whole thing that's worth anything at all. And, and of course, Jennifer Hudson can sing a little bit. So this is the big emotional moment of the movie. So the filmmakers decide to cut away from her a couple times instead of watching hers. Like, well, let's watch some other actors in horrific cat makeup react to her. And they just are kind of like looking at her. Uh <laughs> Yeah, that was worth it. And then as the song builds to the big overwhelming emotional climax, they bring up the orchestral sound so that it doesn't quite drown her out, but it works really hard at it. And as I said in pre-pro, ooh, second nod to you, Ted. As I said in pre-pro, it's like they actively tried to sabotage this film. This is the one emotional moment in the whole movie that is worth anything. And they screwed it up twice. It's like they've never even seen a movie, let alone understand how to make a movie. The other thing, which I did not mention in pre-pro, there you go, Ted, is on Rotten Tomatoes, somehow this has a score of 20. That means 20%, 20%, I'm sorry, it's actually 21. 21% of the critics who watched this. Oh, Oh, I know why it's 21. Said it's not horrifying. No, I, I know why it's 21. It's because now it's old enough to drink and you're going to need one if you watch this movie. No kidding. Um, <laughs> now, that doesn't mean, that does not mean that any single critic recommended the movie as a, this is a really good movie. It does mean that 21% of the critics who watched it said, okay, it's better than average it's worth you know they gave a mildly positive review although this is from richard brody for the new yorker the movie cats is forgive the critical jargon pretty good what were you watching how the hell in any universe is this trash remotely good let alone pretty good What worked for Andrew Lloyd Webber and the Andrew Lloyd Webber and the Broadway cast crew only transcribes to the screen half the time. That's uh, that goes as a positive review. Hmm. An invigorating failure, one of a kind filmmaking. That goes as a positive review. Uh, yeah, it's one of a kind filmmaking. Thank God. Uh, yeah, um, there's more than one of these. <coughs> shoot it. This, shoot this, it now. This is one positive note for AMC. This was a universal release, so maybe this is what they were really thinking of. It's like, God, we're going to save ourselves. Uh, Jesus, what an absolute, utter, horrifying piece of garbage this movie is. I mean, just the... It's so bad in so many ways. Much worse than what Rob said, which I know is amazing because Rob said it was horrifying. It was. And the fact that Rob couldn't even get through it because it was so horrifying, and I totally understand why. God, this is so bad. That that C word I mentioned earlier, 
It's actually a compound word, and the first half of that is cluster. <laughs> this guy has done some decent films. He did The King's Speech, which is a very good film. That's a good film. He shot... I'm looking to see if this is the version of Le Miserables. He did the version of Le Miserables, which has been shot like countless times. But I'm talking about the one with Hugh Jackman, Anne Hathaway, which is... Ooh, a, can I shoot that one? Oh, wait, you mean with a camera. Never mind. I like that a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of people have its detractors, understandably so, but... Hi, how you doing? <laughs> compared to Cats... Oh, compared to Cats, there's... No. This this movie is Casablanca, Citizen Kane, and Raiders of the Lost Ark all round up into one with, with the sound of music in the background. I mean, God, how can the person who made those movies turn around and make this? This is, I swear to God, honestly think he must have gotten screwed on, on his contract and said, you know what? I'm going to make this as bad as I can because I honestly don't know how anybody who has any professional background could have made this movie deliberately. I, seriously. There's no way someone could have made that many terrible choices unless they deliberately did it. So, yeah, if you want to want to, if you feel like you want to take your mood down about eight notches, uh, because for some reason you're flying sky high in the pandemic, by all means, watch Cats. <laughs> like, what a horror show. Anyway, here's the answer. You know what? <clears throat> Can I throw my other one in? Please do. Because it kind of it kind of goes with this. Because, and maybe this will happen to Cats. I, no, I'm kidding. It won't. <laughs> the uh, No. The other show that I wanted to bring up this week is one that – I remember liking when it was on back in, let's see, 1987. Mm. It's not a recent series. It's available on Amazon. To my knowledge, you can't stream this, but it's worth getting on Amazon. Um, <clears throat> it's a little sci-fi show. <clears throat> Excuse me. Only lasted a whopping 14 episodes. It was, at the time, critically not liked. Uh, because everyone said, oh, the stuff that's in it is so incredibly unrealistic. Except it wasn't. The show I'm talking about is Max Headroom. Ah, fantastic. Now, I want you to think about this. Place yourself with the knowledge you have now in 1987. And you're watching a show in 1987 that talks about things like the internet, how people are addicted to television, how people don't read anymore because everything is thrown at them with a computer, with voices. Why do they need to read if, that's, if that happens? That's what this show was. I'm not entirely sure they meant for it to be as prophetic as it ended up being because the world they live in is a bit dystopian. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> but if you look outside recently, mm -hmm. we're kind of there now. Um, and 
one of the, see the reason I brought this up, I I actually went back and got this from Amazon. The the DVD is not that expensive, and it comes with a bunch of extra stuff, including a microphone that falls out. No, that's that's just that's just Todd. That's just me. That was <laughs> including a uh, kind of a roundtable interview with the cast. Um, disappointingly, Matt Frewer isn't there, and Matt played the character of Edison Carter and Max Headroom, but pretty how's, much everyone else is. How's, how's Matt Frewer not on, not on the interview? I honestly don't know. It would have made sense. They got Amanda Pays, who played Theora Jones, his yeah. love interest sidekick, Chris Young, who played Bryce Lynch, the guy who was uh, the computer expert, uh, Jeffrey Tambor, yeah, that one, uh, played Murray, who was the guy in charge of this the running of the station. Um, there's an interview with uh, Morgan Shepard, who I did not, I, I think in my head, I knew Morgan Shepard was in this. And if you're going, Morgan Shepard, who's Morgan Shepard? You know Morgan Shepard. He's been in everything from like the Gilmore Girls to Justice League to Babylon 5 and Star Trek. Pick a medium, he's been in it. So, MacGyver. We mentioned MacGyver earlier. He was in a few episodes of that. Um, he plays a guy called Blank Reg. And the reason he's called Blank Reg, there's a lot of blanks. Blanks are people who, and here's a concept we didn't have until recently, he lives off the grid and is not listed on any computer system. <laughs> I mean, that that's what he, and here's something else. His wife, Blank Dominique, uh, played by Concita Tomei. And I went, Tomei? Hang on a minute. Is, is she related to uh, Marissa? And I found out the answer is no, she's not. Huh. How weird. You would think. Just a name thing. But uh, listening to these people talk about their characters and how this show came about and how, yeah, it is kind of prophetic in a very somewhat terrifying kind of way uh, was really interesting. It, it's worth getting, uh, you know, go to Amazon, get Max Headroom, the DVD set. Please ignore the cover because they did not make a particularly good cover for it. The show is worth it. Just to go, you know what? This came out, uh, what, almost 30 years ago. And it predicted now Over. that Over. God, I'm old. Um, yeah, over 30 years ago. I agree completely. It, it, it very prophetic and very interesting things. It says the fact that Max is a digital person is an yeah. interesting thing. <clears throat> uh, something that people weren't really thinking of in, in 87. Uh, the biggest thing and no, is he wasn't actually computer generated. It really is Matt Frewer in a massive, uh, I think they said it was like a 14 pound prosthetic. Right. That then they use filters to do, to do, but, but Max Hedrum was this creation of the station because he got huge ratings. It's kind of like a, mm, like a kind of a revisitation of network. The, the, the show, the movie, not the show. Ah, I've got shows and movies mixed up, but movies. Shoovies, the biggest reason to watch it is it's wildly entertaining. Yes. So, such a good, such a good series. Super funny. And it's not really a comedy. Um, 
definitely worth watching though. I met Frewer. He's in a lot of excellent work to me. This is still his, his best. I mean, it's just an awesome show. Absolutely love Max Centrum. So I'm glad you went with a happy property and entertaining property. Cause I did too. Hey, uh, so I'm going to wrap up my part with a movie called blinded by the light. Now this came out last year and about the same time as another film that had tie-ins with songs and the importance of, of songs. That one was called Yesterday, and we I talked about that several months ago where a guy woke up one morning, and he was the only person who, rem- who remembered the Beatles, the only person in the world. So he decided, well, I'm just going to release these songs and brighten up the world, and it, it goes in some interesting places from there. But Yesterday, excellent movie. Blinded by the Light, uh, it's about the importance of music, but completely different track. So we open up with a young Pakistani kid. He's just he's just going from high school into university. He lives in, <clears throat> well, not in London, but he lives in England. Uh, in, in Luton, which for Monty Python fans, are they're snickering already. So he lives in Luton, and he's just having a lower middle class life, and everything's kind of difficult just because that's how things are. And his dad is very traditional. You have to do this, you have to do this kind of dad, which uh, every culture has that kind of dad, depending on what time period you're talking about. So he wants more for himself. He doesn't want to become a doctor or a lawyer or, you know, whatever he wants. Music is what's important to him. And a friend of his, he just bumps into this guy, introduces him to the boss, to Springsteen. And he realizes, wow, Springsteen is talking to me. He totally identifies with the message that Springsteen has. So Springsteen becomes very important to him, and he just starts changing his life. He's got a lot of family pushback on this. Um, at the same time, he has to fight the cultural bias, the flat-out racism against Pakistanis in his neighborhood. So it, it's the journey of this kid. Kid, he's he's in college college kid it's his journey it's his personal growth kind of guided by springsteen's lyrics so it obviously has a lot of springsteen music in it which you would expect um most of it by springsteen and there's a couple of things that were just cast members sing it which, which is very cool there's some other music in it too so it, it's not a musical it's just background music but it's just a fascinating character study of, of him, his family, his friends, of how he grows, how he realizes, okay, that's not really the direction I want to take. I have to kind of be my own person as well and be and realize who I am as opposed to just follow this fantasy that I've created for myself. So he realizes that he can't just abandon friends. He realizes he can't just abandon family. That makes it sound like it's dark and it's not it's a fairly yeah i wouldn't say it's listed as it's listed as comedy drama music and imdb it's a light drama i would say um there's there's plenty of funny aspects to it it's it's not night mother it's not some heavy going horrific drama where everybody's dead at the end yay ironweed my favorite anyway <laughs> but blind by the light is it's such an entertaining hopeful piece of watching this guy become who he wants to be and managing to fit that in 
with expectations from family in a in a realistic way. So he can still be who he wants to be and not just cut himself off from his family. Because as you can imagine, when dad wants him to be a, a doctor or a lawyer or something, and he says, I'm going to be a musician. And yeah, that doesn't flow, fly very well with dad. So dad has to grow as well. Um, and if he didn't see that coming, you've never watched a movie, so it's hardly a spoiler. So just basically, I know I spent a lot more time talking about the, the crap movies than this, but this is a movie you just should watch and enjoy and just feel, feel really great about the movie and about yourself afterwards. I mean, this is a wonderful anecdote to realizing, well, I can't go where I want to go because I'm not supposed to go out. Blinded by the Light, to me, is absolutely one of the best movies last year. I would probably bump something else off that when we did our top 10 of the year, I would probably knock something else off. I don't know offhand, but to me, it's one of the top 10 movies of 2019. Very entertaining. Uh, everything about it is well done. The director totally knew what they were doing when they made this movie. And don't know how I could recommend this more. And by the way, I'm not a Springsteen fan. So it's not that I dislike his songs, but I'm not like, oh, I'm totally fanboying out. This is like the best movie ever because it's all about Springsteen. It's like, nope, that's not why I liked it. I like Springsteen's music more now because of this movie. But from a person who's not particularly a fan of Springsteen, a movie about the impact of Springsteen's music, one of the best movies of last year, Blinded by the Light. You see, actually, <clears throat> Bruce Springsteen is responsible for giving us Courtney Cox. Because she was in that... Uh, he is. See, that's actually just my way to wrap up the show. Because we started off with Charlie Cox. <laughs> see? We did indeed. It's come full circle. Which uh, I'm sure is one of Springsteen's songs or something. Probably. It sounds like something he'd do. But And, and I'll agree with you. One of the things we do is... When we have a movie we don't like, oh, we'll go on about it. We don't like it because of this and this and this and this. And here are reasons not to watch it. Right. But if we do like it, if it's a short review, like what we did for Max Headroom a little while ago or Blinded by the Light Now, there's reasons we don't tell you a lot about it. We want you to see it for yourself. Exactly. Because it's worth seeing. So, see, we, we even gave you five things. We had only scheduled four. One of them, those pesky cats just wandered right in the middle and sat on the keyboard like they do. Crapped on the keyboard. Well, I wasn't going to go there, but... It did. Yeah, it... it uh, and they had too much it. milk and it was really messy. Now, it, uh, stop. You <laughs> have to go get something to clean the computer with now. Fine, be that way. You know what? Everybody else, what you need to do is stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. Dorn, that's the end. <laughs>